Okay, so we're up for Beat the Devil, and uh, that's a song that probably to a lot of people's enjoyment kicks off with loud guitars. <laughs> you're so, talking about uh, me, just, just say it. Just yeah, say it. You're talking right about me. You don't have to beat around the bush, just say it. I was actually not thinking about you. I was <laughs> okay. about, uh, to, to be honest, I was thinking about a lot of the comments on the Facebook group where a lot of people seem to yearn for this kind of thing, that uh, uh, it's too muted, it, it's too watered down, which is the comment I almost uh, resent a bit. Uh, I, I can understand uh, the yearning for harder edge stuff, but it's not watered down. It's just they're going for something different. But at least this song kicks off with loud guitars, uh, but the verses keep the more muted approach. And again, this is almost uh, what I would call a night song. It's a song seen through tinted glass with certain moods. Uh, so it's a nice song, but it's not a song that works as well as uh, some of the other night songs on the album. Mm. Uh, I guess you could almost call it a, a labor song. Not, not like you give birth, but uh, like uh, I think John Lennon used that uh, track. You know, Back in the day, they would write an insane amount of songs with the Beatles. And uh, I know for a hard day's night, he wrote like 30, 40 songs and just brought them in. And well, these are just, you know, I labored over them and just just did it. It was just a work. And uh, I'm just 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 picked the best ones. So that was his approach to it. This song has a bit of big country by numbers feel to it. It's uh, not call it a remarkable song, but I would call it uh, an enjoyable song on the level that it is. And uh, to me, on a ranking level, this song is almost the balance point of the album. The songs that I like better than this one are good. The songs that are not as good as this one are disappointing. So to me, this is a song right on the tipping point of the album. That, right, Beat the Devil, it quite works for me, but um, it uh, it shouldn't slip far down to, to not work for me. So uh, this is one, again, where the demo is better than the album version. I like the intro of the demo, I think it's ominous. It's got that something is coming feel to it, which the album version lacks a bit. I also like the wailing guitar that underpins actually the night feel that I talked about. It's almost mm-hmm. like a wolf against the moon. So I think that's gorgeous. And um, the less polished approach works. And at times this song is almost progressive. And uh, if we compare the demo and album a bit more direct, uh, there's a really cool section, or it should have been a really cool section. This is a really progressive section, but it's a bit too muted, it should spark more. And if you listen to the exact same section on the demo... So the demo version sparks a lot more, even though the playing is quite similar. It's uh, This is a really progressive part, and it's a part that should be a standout. For some reason that part is too muted, so this is one of the parts on the album where I think the mutedness 
uh, could have been dropped. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. And when I, when I heard this song initially on the album, I, I was I fit right in with that category of what you're talking about because I thought, oh, you know, hard guitars, great, finally. And um, that that was my mindset back then. And and I was probably willing to give this song more credit than it deserved because of that fact alone. You know, but um, it, it's not a bad song. I, I would call this. Uh, I, I heard someone use this term for another band once, and I, I think it applies well here. It's it's like good filler. It's it's not uh, it's not a great big country song. It's not a classic big country song. It's filler. It's a filler song, but it's it's good filler. It's just kind of, you know, just like a grabbing a snack that you like occasionally. It's not a great meal, but it tastes good, and then you forget about it. That's kind of how I feel about this song. Um, Although I will say, you know, lyrically, the more I think about this song lyrically, I think there's probably a lot more going on here than, than, uh, than just a throwaway type of song. I mean, I I could be completely wrong about this, but I get a feeling that this song is about Stewart's uh, battles with alcoholism. At least that's how I've always in- interpreted it. You know, when I became more aware of, of Stewart's problems, I began to look at other songs, and I think this is one of those songs. I mean, especially when you think about devil in the eye from driving to damascus i mean here we have another reference to devil being uh being possibly alcohol and um you know when when i hear him talking about the time is here the way way is long you may smile at the serpent song but i know i've got to face the devil tonight in a way i you know I, and this is a little bit of a reach but i almost interpret that as if he's talking to someone who's not affected by the lure of alcohol the way he is, and they kind of smile at it. But he has to face the devil. He has to try to fight it. You know, this person may be able to take a little drink with him and be fine, but if he takes that drink, he's going to go right down the wrong path. Yeah, that's really interesting. I never thought of that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, you know, like I say, I could be wrong, but that's the feeling I get. And when he says, I know I've got to beat the devil tonight, he wants someone to be his guide, be his light, um... And 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 the other song that kind of gives me the ch- or the other part of the song that kind of gives me the chills is when he says, um, "Tonight my blood wrote." Actually, this is another one, but he says, "Tonight my blood runs cold, and you don't know what I was told." I always that I think that's a cool line. I don't know exactly what it means, but it kind of gives me a little chill. But the one that I'm that really gets me is when he says, um, "The sea turning black, the sky turning red, and someone lying in my bed," and it's like. Is there is he talking about someone lying in his bed or is he talking about someone telling him a lie while he's laying in his bed? You know, maybe then maybe that's the craving for alcohol as he's as he's laying in his bed that's coming to him. Um, you know, um, I don't. Yeah, know. And, and and it's really interesting how that little bit changes through the song. It starts with he has to chase the devil, then he got to yes. face the devil, then he has to beat the devil and lose the devil. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and. Yeah, and chase the devil, I guess, wouldn't really fit into my metaphor there, but maybe it does. I don't know, but yeah, because it starts out, and then he's got the urge, and yes. then he has to face it, and he knows he has to beat it, and eventually lose it. Exactly, exactly, and that, that's. But uh, what what gives me a chill? I'm I'm sorry, but no, go what, ahead. What what gives me a chill with this is if this song is about that, and he talks about you know please help me and uh, and give me guidance, and you see the thread starting with songs like save me. And it continued with songs like, you know, Ships, Wherever You When My Ships Were Down, and uh, songs that seem to cry for help. That gives me a bit of a lump to my throat today. Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you know, when I when I talk about this song, and, and before I thought about it this way, it really did seem like a throwaway song to me. 
um, you know, like almost uh, it, here in America, we have a lot of and since this, this album is kind of rooted in Americana in a way musically and then with the with mm-hmm. the uh, Wizard of Oz stuff. But, you know, and I'm sure this is true at other places, too. But here in America, we we have a lot of old folk tales about the devil appearing to, to people back in the colonial days and them uh, people making deals with the devil or bets with the devil and to see who could get their soul and to see if he would get their soul or not. And I originally I thought of the song like that, like this. It's like Stewart's take on one of those one of those American type of folk tales where the devil comes out and he's got to deal with them. And, you know, it's kind of just kind of interesting and funny, but I didn't take it nearly as seriously as I did when I started to think about it in the other light of him dealing with his alcoholism and the devil just being a metaphor for that. So, you know, I guess we'll never know, but uh, I don't think it's too too far of a reach to think that it could very well be that. Um, but anyway, so that makes the lyrics of the song much more powerful to me. It makes the song itself much more powerful. It's musically, I, I like the song. Um, it's nothing great. I, I agree with you about that that middle section part. Uh, I don't I don't see as big of a difference in the demo as you. I'll go back and listen to it now that you said that. You make me want to go back and hear it again. Um, I have been listening to them off and on for the past week or so, but uh, the, with the exception of that guitar, wailing guitar in the beginning of the demo, I, I never saw a huge difference between them. Although, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, there is one difference that I do like more in the demo, and that is the um, – it's not, not the drum playing – but the drum parts, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's a cool part that Pat plays, Pat Ahern plays in the demo. And it's a very cool part. The only problem is that it's way out of time and it's not... It, it, there's not a good groove that they got going there, but mm-hmm. I I almost wish that Mark would have maybe tried that part because I, I think with his great drumming skills it could have been really really cool and more powerful. But uh, as it, as it stands, it's more of a straightforward rock type of song with a few little old yeah. school big country flourishes thrown in there. Um, you know, not not the most memorable song on the album for me. Not bad, not great. At the, at this point in the album, for me personally, the the quality is starting to deteriorate a little bit um and never going to a, like a really ultra low level but it just kind of it, to me it deteriorates and maybe a little bit bump up toward the end but at this point a lot of the songs are hitting me about the same and this being one of them so mm-hmm. mediocre yeah. to me so where would you rank uh beat the devil well like i said this is the song on the balance point the better ones are good the worst ones are disappointing. So number eight. <laughs> it's crazy, Spine. We have I have number eight too, and I'm I'm not making this up. Really, the only one that we've we've been significantly different from at this point is Keep on Dreaming. Uh, interesting. The rest, the rest has been either exactly or only one off with the with Kansas. So that's yeah. very interesting. I knew there was a reason you wanted me to go first. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Okay. So, so uh, at this point, I have a suggestion. Sure. Uh, how about I go first on Leap of Faith, because we all know what you're going to say. I may surprise you a little bit with Leap of Faith, but you're not too far off. But uh, but yeah, go ahead. I think anything positive will be a surprise, yeah. <laughs>
So the next one is Leap of Faith. And uh, it's impossible to get into Leap of Faith without acknowledging how my podcast partner feels about this song. I know that to him, this is a candidate for the worst big country song ever. So uh, I will just set up the discussion right away. This is one we will disagree on because I like this song. I like it a lot. So this should be an interesting one to discuss. Uh, but having said that, I will quickly add that I don't think it's a perfect song. I think it's a good song that is marred by a couple of sections that are either uh, it's, they are either not finished properly, or not as good as they could be, or they are ruined by horrible production decisions. And uh, I'll go through mine first, and you can chime through after. Okay. Uh, the worst bit to me is the return of the horrible singing ladies. They are never more out of place on this album than on this song. <laughs> and uh, the end of the song is totally ruined. They turn it into the soul train at the end there. So this song has a very established mood and feel at that point. And it's... Yeah, they, they, they just totally ruined what they spent the song building. And what kills me is that Stuart tries to join in. He, he tries to join in with the ladies and sing with them in the same style. Uh, leap of faith. And he, he, he tries to, to... That part really kills me. So that is a horrible way to end the song. I, I really don't know... This, I, I, all I can think is this is uh, a production decision that the band didn't do. That there's certainly no sign of this on the demo. And uh, uh, my wife brought up actually an interesting point that there was a point where Simple Minds, which is a band that she really likes, they started doing the same thing with adding singing ladies. So Simple Mind had the same singing lady period where they had a lot of similar things happen. But for right. some reason, Simple Minds seemed to lend their, themselves more. It worked to, better for uh, them because they weren't like singing on a bluesy type song, too. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, exactly. So, um, so it's interesting how singing ladies can come in and either just mar it slightly or ruin it completely. So, so that's that bit. Less critical, but still a point against the song. I think the chorus feels a little weak, but that's mostly because it fails to be as good as the verses to me. Uh, the verses have a much better melody. It's more interesting things going for it. It's got a more open and subdued feel. Uh, I don't know if... Um, I, I was considering this. Is it a little bit repetitive? And it might be, but I feel it's more in an underpinning good way. Mm. So uh, it's, it's got a very open feel. It's like the open prairie uh, of the verses. Very nice style there. So uh, the good part of the song is the intro. I think it's very nice, moody. I think the wailing guitars work, where I assume it's Bruce playing the standard rhythm, and then Stuart comes in with the open tuning. So again, underpins the spatialness of the song. Uh, again, a bit like Perry Wolf howling towards the moon. And uh, there are some really great sections. And uh, going into the lyrics, there's uh, the head on down to the world again. Find your pride in the face of sin. That part always just kills me. That That is a goosebumps moment. It's a great and, line. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And uh, at the end of the song as well, um, there's a section where he sings, Will you fly over my stormy sea? Will you cry? Everything I wanted to hear, had to hear. That, that part, th those parts I mentioned there are among the best parts of the song. They really work. So um, there are some parts that don't work, and uh, uh, this is where I wish they used more of the approach on the demo. The demo is quite different. It is very clear that they had the demo but worked quite a bit on it in the studio to get to what they eventually ended up with. I think 
the guitar line in the intro is really nice. Uh, they, if they pulled it off right, that would have worked really well. But uh, for some reason, they decided against it. And uh, incidentally, that reminds me, that part, uh, it reminds me a whole lot of the, of the intro to a song by a certain Norwegian band called Aha. They have a song called Little Black Heart, and they use the almost exact same opening as Big Country does in the Leap of Faith demo. So that's interesting. Uh, the backing tracks of the demo are more riff-based. Uh, I prefer how they change that on the album version to something more atmospheric, something that keeps the interest uh, a bit more. The riff-based one was more throwaway. Uh, what is much better on the demo is the choruses. They are much more interesting. There's much more light and shade there, uh, which is interesting because that's what wasn't on most of the demos, but they managed to get that on the album. So in this case, it's the opposite. Mm. Uh, they throw interesting guitar bits in there. They intensify halfway through. Uh, that would have improved the album version immensely. So this is one song where I don't agree with Pat Morris' production. I have to assume he had a lot to say with the final version. But uh, there are... So, so like I said, it's not a perfect song. There are songs that... It's a song that could have been a heck of a lot better, but that has a whole lot working for it. And uh, I've always liked the evocativeness, the openness of it. And uh, I wish the chorus had been as strong as the verse. Uh, they had the potential for that with the demo version, but sadly that wasn't to be. And uh, I have thrown this tape or this song on compilation tapes in the past, but I faded out before the ending. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Interesting. All right, so is it my turn now? Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, Swine's already set it up and, and said how I feel about this song, basically. I, I, I don't I guess I could say that this is this is as close as I come to strongly disliking a big country song. I No, I, I got to just say it. this is as close as I come to hating a big country song. I don't like to say that because I don't like to say that I hate anything that big country does. And I, I don't honestly do not hate this song, but it's as close as I could ever come to it. Um, to me, there's nothing strong about this song. I mean, everything about it to me is is cliched, is uh, is boring from the production to the to the lyrics, with the exception of a couple lines, one of which you mentioned already. Um, now, I don't I don't know if this this will translate as well for a non English speaker, but for for me, leap of faith is such a cliched title. Number one. I mean, it's a very it's a very cliched theme that you find in lots of songs. I mean, there are probably a lot of songs called Leap of Faith. I know there was a movie called Leap of Faith. I mean, it's it's one of those phrases that is so overused that it just doesn't have much meaning to me. And this, this kind of gets back to what I said the last time where, you know, one of the things that struck me and drew me to big country so much initially was uh, not just their songs, but the titles and, and just the unique presentations and themes and subject matter that they would they would talk about so when i, I saw to, uh, yeah go ahead I, I, i'm sorry i just have to say at this point to me uh 
when I first saw the track listing and I saw Leap of Faith, what I thought of was the Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> There's ah, a, interesting, a, a, yeah. yeah, the scene of the Last Crusade where Indiana Jones has to do the Leap of Faith. I think, I think that's the final trial he does before yeah, the that's, Holy that's Grail. So, so um, not a bad reference to start off with. No, that's not bad. Maybe I would have felt a little bit better if I had that reference going in. <laughs> that opening chord progression that he plays is uh, is something that I've heard many many times over and. The, it's also the chord progression in the chorus, which I call, I call the Louie Louie chord progression. <laughs> to me, that's that's one of the most overused chord progressions in music. It, it's just like I've heard it so many times, and so I guess it, if I if I would hear this song on the radio by another band, I might think, oh, it's okay. You know, I, w- I don't really care for it, but it's okay. For me, it was a disappointment from Big Country because I just really felt like it was so unimaginative and it was so much further below what, what they're capable of doing, um, you know, from, a, from an original standpoint, both musically and lyrically, that it just kind of, it came, I, I guess why I've heaped so much scorn on it over the years is that it, it kind of came to symbolize what I felt was something that I guess Stewart in a way confirmed years later when he said that the albums making peace in our time and no place like home, he said that it was such a struggle making them. And that when he looks back, he felt like the people that he worked with ended up diluting everything that the band was about. And I, I kind of feel like this is the poster child of that. Like this is, this is big country, very, very diluted. And I don't, I don't feel any sincerity in this song. I don't feel like, Stewart means what he's saying. I don't. I don't feel like inspired by the song in any way. I feel like it's just lyrics that he wrote down, thinking, you know, maybe this, maybe this will be something the record company likes, or maybe this will be a good radio song. And you know, ironically, I think this probably would have been a better single choice in some of these songs that they released. But um, you know, I, I would disagree with you on one point too, as far as the. Uh, the singing ladies. Now, now, I don't disagree with you on the fact that I don't like them because I don't like them either. But I, I kind of feel like they fit in this song because the song is kind of like it's in that vein of that old R&B type of music where where you would traditionally hear that type of background vocal. So, I mean, I don't feel like it's out of place the way it would be out of place if you would hear them in Kansas when it would be really out of place. To me, it, it fits it does fit the song when they come in and that's what makes the song even worse to me. The fact that it does fit that song. Um, lyrically, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I mean, I feel like I could see some R and B guy up on stage singing this song with, with the, with the backup singers and it would work out fine. I mean, um, yeah, I, I just, it just, the song just doesn't do much of anything for me. Now, now I will say, I agree with you that line that you mentioned, um, Find your pride in the face of sin. I, that's a great line, and that kind of is a line that reflects back on another pride line that Stewart has had in the past: pride that grows in hardship, which comes from a infinitely superior song called "Tall Ships Go." But th- that was a lot of uh, the themes that Big Country would interweave into their music. So that's in in there, you know, finding pride in difficult times. The other line I really like a lot too is. Um, when he says, on a wild, wild night, when you might believe all the worn-out lines of a stranger in need. I think that's a cool line. And But the rest of it, just 
you know, what you're going to do when the sun don't shine no more, when the moon don't climb no more, when the tears won't fall no more. To me, it's just cliched, unimaginative writing. And I absolutely, the last thing I'll say about it, I absolutely hate that bridge, the bridge section of the song musically. Um, the will you, the will you fly over my stormy seas. The, the, the lyrics are fine, but there's something about the music to that part that just, oh, it's it sounds like nails on a blackboard to me. I don't like the the chords there. It, it goes like in a almost dissonant type of sound, and I don't enjoy it. Um, yeah, insanity. I don't like the song. Total insanity. <laughs> <laughs> that part is one of the best ones of the song but, but there you go I think uh, the years have left you a deranged lunatic man <laughs> no because I've always had this feeling <laughs> well no so I must have been deranged before no I, I yeah what can I, 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 couldn't what can I say what can I say we, this, is a, this is our biggest disagreement to date probably, probably will be our biggest disagreement um, yeah, I, I think we should work on having more <laughs> yeah but it's going to be hard. But th- this is one of them. But, uh, but we can't force it. It's, it's, yeah, because this is one that we saw a long time coming. I mean, we've known each other for 20 years. We've had these discussions. You know, it's uh, it's expected. You know, yeah, this is the song where Tom is going to have his rant. I've heard it many times before. And <laughs> and it's, it's the same writing. for you. I've seen it in writing many times. Yeah, and it's the same for you and other places. So um, uh, we, we, we need to try and surprise each other a bit more. So let's see. I'll surprise you by ranking this song number five. Number five. Oh, talk about deranged. Okay. Um, well, you know where this is for me. Number fifteen. No and yes, I, and yes, I know there are only twelve songs on the album, but this song is still number fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, it's number. It's number twelve. At this point, you have to pipe in. They're coming to take me away. Haha. <laughs> We haven't uh, talked about my number 12 yet, so it's still to come. Okay, good, good. So, so let's move on to the next one. <laughs> Is that a lead into the next one for you? Let's <laughs> <laughs> so see. You mean the truth. So All you right. go ahead. You mean, you mean the truth. There may be trouble ahead. I want to read really quickly a comment that one of our Facebook friends wrote about this song. This comes from uh, Lee Waterton, who wrote a comment. Uh, we asked some people on our Facebook page to do what we're doing now and rank the big, the No Place Like Home songs. And his number 12 was You, Me, and the Truth. And he just wrote about this song. Why, God, why? What is the point of this song? <laughs> Which I thought was very funny. Now, I don't feel that as quite as harshly about it as him, obviously, since you've already gotten my number 12 of, of the album. But this would be up there for me as far as lesser songs on the album. Um, now, now I'll say this: the one thing about this song that that I put above, that I put ahead of Leap of Faith, is I think this song is is got a little more sincerity to it. Uh, I think it's a little more interesting in in the way it's performed, and there are some cool parts to it that I actually do like. Uh, my biggest problem with it is the same thing that I had with Republican Party Reptile. It's but to a to a much more of a degree here, it's it's just not a it's just not a big country song. I mean, people can say that's close-minded of me and that the band should be able to do whatever they want and and stretch out. And I, you know, of course they can, of course they should. And if that's what they want to do, of course they should do it. But it's it's my right as a fan to not like it. And 
that's not what I want from big country. It's, it's not what I like from them. It's, I don't want to go, I don't want to hear a big country song that it seems like I'm in a tiny little jazz club and there are these guys up on stage playing this jazz song. And that's kind of what you, me and the truth sounds like to me. Um, it's like a jazzy little blues song. And to me, it's just not, there's not much here that showcases what big country is great at. And it, to me, they, they, when they play songs like this, they descend, um, kind of to a level of mediocrity uh now that being said i think this is a really good from a technical standpoint this is a really good attempt at doing this kind of a song i mean from a production standpoint there are some really really good things about this song number one the lead guitar parts in this song i think um just sound really great and that's i mean i've talked about the clean sound on the album kind of getting to me after a while but I don't apply that to when the lead guitar is playing. I, I apply that more to like the strummed sound, which you find in Leap of Faith, you find in Keep on Dreaming, you find in um, Hostage Speaks and some other ones too. But um, I don't really apply that to, to this one. And I think this got, has some absolutely great lead playing from Stewart. One lyric that I think sums up how I feel about this song in an ironic way is when he says, If you can't have what you want, why don't you use what you've got? I won't do things that I can't get. I can't be something that I'm not. If you can't have what you want, why don't you use what you've got? I won't do things that I can't. I can't be something that I'm not. And to me, that sums up my whole problem with this song. It's like, okay, if big country can't have the success that they want, why don't they just concentrate on what they do better than anyone and take that to a new level? You know, like I talked about Dynamite Lady, you know, as being a really good example of the band retaining what's great about them, but progressing. And then he says, but I won't do things that I can't. I can't be something that I'm not. Well, I feel like that's exactly what they're doing in this song they're they're trying to do a, a version of uh, a style of music that they really aren't cut out to do and Stewart mm-hmm. is trying Stewart is trying to be something that he's not quite a few times on this album I think from the from the point you mentioned of him joining in with the the women on the leap of faith song to being an old blues man to being like more of a jazzy type of guy here and it's just to me it doesn't fit what Stewart's trying to do it's, it's certainly admirable and it shows that he's a great musician and he can do a lot of these things but it just doesn't it doesn't hit me the way that I want big country to hit me. And, and, you know, this was one of those songs that I was really, really disappointed in when I heard it at the time. And, you know, you always have to go back to what my mindset was at the time, which was just starving for the, for the old big country magic. Whereas now I can look at a song like this in the hindsight of years past and appreciate more things about it, but it's still nothing that I'm ever going to, you know, go crazy about. And, and there are a lot of people who love this song, and I give you respect, and I don't mean to belittle the, your opinions in any way. I mean, everything is completely subjective, uh, as you all know, and it's great that people like this song so much. Uh, I'm just not one of them. The, the one thing that I'll say is really good about it that I really do like is the play-out part. I, I think that's really kind of got a nice little haunting uh, sound to it with the lead guitar playing there. And, and even the demo of this had a really cool part, too, that, that was more of a had more of a Celtic feel to it.
so uh, you, me, and the truth. Oh my God, you want the truth? I don't think we can handle the truth. <laughs> um, not quite sure. Of faith? Um, yeah, how should I put it? I'll say this. Musically, and you touched on this already, the song has nothing to do with Big Country. Yeah. Even on No Place Like Home, this song is a strange and an easy fit. Yeah, it doesn't even fit that this, the album. No, it doesn't. It's um, one of, I think, a trio of songs added with Beautiful People and uh, Republican Party Reptile that doesn't fit the, the, the album. So if they did a third single, this would probably have been it. You know, I, I shiver in thought of that, but uh, <laughs> the, the guitars are noodling. It's uh, it's jazz fusion shit. The rhythm is strange. It reminds me of beach bongos. So the whole mood is, is close to the jazz club strange thing. I find this song to be tripe. It's abysmal. This is as close to as big country ever came to playing music. So it's not just my least favorite song on No Place Like Home. This is the worst big country song ever. <laughs> and uh, I can I can hear the masses already. What about Flag of Nations? Uh, well, at least that had a killer bass line, and uh, they were just noodling with a keyboard. So I'll I'll take Flag of Nation over this anytime. And I can also hear people saying, "What about Eggplant?" And I think you have to look at that. At what it is? You no, know, Eggplant is a piss take. Well, you uh, yeah, you can't say so you can't compare it with the B side like that. No, you can't. And that, that's just the guys having a laugh in the studio. It was probably never meant to be released in the set. What the heck? The guys might like it. So exactly. it was never meant to be compared with an album track where the band actually made a stab at creating something lasting for people. So there, there's no way that that can be really compared. So in this song, there's not an ounce of big countryness in it. And good Lord, those singing ladies die. Oh, they're, in this, they're, they're in this they're, too, aren't they? I forgot they're, about they're, that. They're better in this. They're all over the place and it's driving nuts. And uh, the demo is unfortunately not any better. I find them quite similar. Some So, yeah, I don't like the music or instrumentation of this song. It, it is horrible. But there is one exception, and uh, you already mentioned it. I like the playout section as well. Uh, it has nice guitars, nice guitar work. Uh, that really is a nice part. Uh, it is a bit separate from the rest of the song, and that works in its favor. But And uh, it comes far too late to really save the rest of the song. Uh, that bit had deserved a better song to prequel it. So that's really all I have to say about the music. It, it, it isn't really good. I have looked to the lyrics for redeeming qualities, hoping that even if the music sucked, the lyrics might offer something, but I remain unconvinced. Uh, the lyrics are not as bad as the music, but I still find them to be of lesser worth and frustrating, really. On the surface, they appear to be the great evocative abstract big country lyrics of old, but if you look closer, you see that they are vague and really not that deep and uh, I had an example it's kind of funny that my example is exactly the same line that you used so once again there's a line that goes if you can't have what you want why don't you use what you got and this just strikes me as flaky it really reminds me of the old hippie anthem which goes like if you're not with the one you love love the one you're with I think it's beneath Stuart to rehash trife like that it's just another thing I hate about that song so uh, a little more interestingly, those lines are followed by, I want to do things that I can't, I can't be something that I'm not. And that line gets interesting if you look after, if you think of their situation with the record company, 
and how they attempted to force the band into being something that they were not. And there's been a bit of speculation by several fans over the years on whether this line could be about that situation. Uh, I personally think that's a fascinating theory, but uh, we're probably giving the lyrics a little bit too much credit by applying those kind of meanings to them. Uh, So it's a cool fit, but instead of being a veiled message, I think those lyrics are just, at the end of the day, the greatest irony of the song, just like Tom mentioned already. They sing about not being something that they're not on the song where they were never more lost musically. So that's a real head scratcher. So I think the song is is exactly about what it appears to be about. Uh, The theme is really a should I stay or should I go type scenario about the relationship. And there is room for wider interpretations, but mainly within that context, in my opinion. So this really takes me back to my starting point. Uh, I know a lot of people like this song and that's fine. Uh, I would primarily like to know why. Uh, musically, there's nothing about this song that explains why people who like big country music would find what they are looking for here. Uh, this song is so so clearly not big country music. And what I'm thinking is that there must be fans who like this kind of music outside of big country, and they find it endearing that big country try making something in this style as well. And I can understand that, uh, but I cannot understand how this is more exciting to fans than the big country sound we come to know and love. And I guess... Some people just like the differentness, and I can relate to that as well. But the irony of that is that this is what the album is primarily criticized for. And this song is the main culprit. So so I don't really get it. But um, in the end, we are no bigger authorities on how good any song is than anyone who listens. And uh, I hope anyone uh, keeps in mind that this is just an opinion show, and we will give you lots of opinions. Uh, But what we try to do here also is provide some reasons why we feel the way we do and hopefully provide some context and reasons behind our our opinions. And uh, hopefully that creates an interesting spin on things and ensures that everybody gets something out of the discussion, even if you disagree with us. All right. Yeah, I don't have much else to say about this. Uh, I have an idea of where this is for you. Obviously, this must be number 12 for you, right? It's uh, 25, I think. (laughs) Okay. Well, for me, it's definitely on the bad scale, but not quite as bad. I have it at number 10. I found enough things that I could think were okay about it. You're close enough for comfort. Okay, so the next track is Comes a Time, and that is going to be you. I'm happy that we're moving into much more comfortable areas of the album. (laughs) Uh, This is, again, I feel, a cornerstone song on the album. Uh, It's, again, one of their best songs, right along with Kansas. Musically, this really works for me. It's much more muted than the early albums, with no loud guitars, no bagpipes, no ebol. But from a writing perspective, I've always seen this as as close as it ever got to the early days, without actually having those sounds there again. I've always had the feeling that with Steve Lillywhite producing, and the band going for it, this could have sounded like classic big country. Mm. It has all the ingredients of it, to just the approach is totally different. So uh, also on the lyrical side, there are some fantastic lyrics uh, in the song, almost in the same uh, style as the abstract early days. I've always had a fondness for lines like, we can storm the walls in our leisure where we trap the beast in the stormy lair. That's kind of That's, yeah, uh, my favorite part of the song. Very, very abstract, and uh, it points back to the early days for, to me, and a lot of the lyrics are like that. And uh, so so all the ingredients 
from the classic days are there, but again, like he sings in Kansas, we, we're, we know we're not in Kansas anymore, it's all changed, this is what we're doing now, but you can still find a whole lot of big countryness uh, in at least some of the songs that we're still making. Yeah, I agree, and, and uh, I, for me, this song is... I don't, I don't feel quite as strongly about it as you do. Um, in fact, I, I feel differently in, in probably a larger respect. But for me, Comes a Time has, has always been two songs. One of those songs is absolutely great, and one of them is average. And to me, the absolutely great part starts with that guitar part in the, in the middle section. That part gives me chills even now when I whenever I hear it, and it really did on when I first heard the album because, as you said, it, there's really a lot reminiscent there of older big country stylings, not just the the guitar playing, which is which is definitely reminiscent, but also the lyrics and also Stewart's voice. I mean, I think in that section of the song in particular, Stewart's voice goes back to that feel that he had in the beginning that which mm-hmm. is to, to me like his natural singing voice and he's not trying to sing like an american or he's not trying to force some other style that to me is Stuart, pure Stuart, and that part i absolutely adore um now i like the rest of the song too you know don't get me wrong but some of it doesn't work as well for me like for example just the opening part of that song I never liked that. I just thought that was kind of like just there and, and wasn't a really strong way to open the song. Um, I the, the verse, it gets a little bit better in the verse, but the thing I don't like about the verse is the way Stewart sings. I mean, it, it's like he's singing in that heart of the world style and it, it doesn't do it as much for me. But w- once he gets to the chorus of take me up to the edge of the world, then I'm back on board again. And then the other parts, I'm I'm really back on board and you know excited. Um, I will say this: I I prefer that this is one of those that I do prefer the demo of. I with a couple exceptions. Um, but I like the chorus better in the demo version. Um, when he says. I like that better. I don't know why, but it just it 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 has a more evocative lyrical content to me, and and reminds me more of big country, like pure big country. But um, there's another demo uh, called Celtic Dream, which is the demo for Into the Fire. But there are lyrics in that version that he takes and puts into the final version of No Place Like Home, into the, into that bridge midsection or whatever you want to call it. Comes a Time is uh, 
one of my top four. It is actually number four, but I think it's a great, great song. It uh, reminds me a lot of classic big country. It's all there. Nice. I, I rank it as number six. I rank it as number right. six. So it's for cool. me, it's like squarely in the middle, but uh, but I think it's a, it's a good tune. Look at him now. Another you. Okay, so ships, ships on no place like home. Now this, I mean, this is another one like Kansas where we're gonna con- we're gonna talk about the difference between this and the Buffalo Skinners version. Um, you know, you might be surprised for me considering my constant talk about quote unquote old big country and the guitar sounds and all that stuff, but I actually prefer this version of the song to to any of the versions. Um, I really like the Buffalo Skinners version. I, I love the guitar parts and Stewart's lead parts on that song. But I think the song is more suited for the treatment it gets here on No Place Like Home. And, and this is a case where I think um, this kind of a style, this, this is another thing, kind of like Dynamite Lady in a way, where you've got a differing style uh, in that Big Country had never done a piano ballad before, ever. But yet I still think it feels like Big Country on this album. And I can't say that for other songs on this album. But this one to me, even though it's so different, it still sounds like a song that could fit with other past big country output. And it's, it just seems like a big country song. Um, I remember reading about when no place like home came out. I remember reading Bruce saying that there was a band version of this song that they had recorded as well. And I I remember thinking, Oh, I would, I would love to hear that. I want to hear the band version, you know, because I, I was, I'm not, as you probably gathered by now, I'm, this isn't my favorite album by big country. And I wanted more, of the old school big country. So I thought, well, maybe if they did a van version, maybe there would have been more of it on there. I'd love to hear it. Well, it turns out that that, that probably is the demo that was done with Pat O'Hearn. You see me now, just an old man Wearing the passing of his dignity With all the courage that he But I gotta say, after hearing all of these, I really, I, I really love this version. I mean, I'm not someone who thinks I've heard Ships ranked up there with Chance before as being as good a song as Chance, and I don't, I don't rank it that high as a song. Um, but I do think it's a great song. Uh, I think it's a really beautifully written song. Um, I, uh, some of my criticism that I had of Leap of Faith was that I just didn't feel like it was a sincere song. I didn't get a, get the sincerity from it. And, but this one is totally the opposite. I mean, I think this is one of Stewart's finest vocal performances, and it really shows a really nuanced vocal performance from Stewart that is really beautiful. And it, it kind of presages some of the stuff he would do with the Raphaels. I mean, I almost kind it almost kind of reminds me of My Only Crime a little bit. Uh, that type of, of singing, that type of style, the piano ballad going on. But um, and again, we have you know this constant. I think one of the things that makes it sound so sincere and honest of a song is that we've got this return to the sea type of metaphor that Stewart mm-hmm. is constantly singing about. I mean, from the very beginning of the band, and we know that his his dad was was a fisherman, or or I don't know if he was a fisherman, but he worked on a deep sea trawler or something. So I guess that would make him that. But 
and his, his the fact that his father was gone so much had a big effect on him and and what his father did for a living you know i guess because of the fact that that made him be absent from Stuart's life for much of the time it just somehow created this odd bond with him and anything to do with the sea and that crops up so much in his writing and and here we have it again and um you know i th- i think it's just a great song uh Call me call me nuts, but maybe this would have been a, a better choice of single. You know, I know it's it's a lot different than any kind of uh, tune on the album. It's certainly not a hard rocking song. It's not something that's gonna uh, come out and and take the world by storm. But I don't know. Maybe it would. Maybe this version of this song would have would have found a niche somewhere because these types of songs were were popular at the time. And really, these these types of songs, if they're done well, never really go out of style. This type of really good haunting emotional piano ballad and this is this is a song that they did release as a single from buffalo skinners but uh mm-hmm. it, i think it would have worked better single wise for this version the one thing i'll say about the buffalo skinners version that i think um uh, that i don't like as much is that it feels like they just in that version they just try to rush through that piano part at the beginning of the song it's like it's almost like they start playing it and they just like, let's get through this piano part so we can just get the whole band to kick in. And it doesn't have the emotion and the feeling and the passion on that version, at least in the beginning, that it does here on the No Place Like Home version. I mean, it's almost kind of a tear-jerking performance from from Stewart, especially for me, kind of the, the last Where Were You that he sings. It's I don't, I'm not going to sing it, but I'll play it on the show, but... Just kind of the way he says it and the the vocal inflection he gives, he kind of goes goes up a little bit and almost his voice almost even cracks a little. It just it, it touches me. Yeah, after that impassioned speech, I, I wish I was more positive about the song because I, I, um, I don't dislike it really. Uh, I'm just not that excited by it. So it's more lack of uh, excitement than any active uh, gripes with it. I just think this version is too muted. I'm not a piano ballad man. Uh, interestingly, the, it's odd that I like the song as much as I do because I'm not generally one either. So go figure. Yeah, but you're quite an enigma on so many <laughs> levels. <laughs> Maybe true. <laughs> I think uh, the interesting bit is that the demo sounds just like the Buffalo Skinner's version. They played with a full band. So again, this uh, I have to assume it's an example of Pat Moore and pushing the band towards a quieter version of the song. Uh, maybe the record company did. Uh, if they did, it's strange that they didn't use it as a single, like you said. To me, this version does not work. It is, uh, I'm afraid rather sleep inducing mm. it's um i can really feel stewart's passion in the song uh, but uh my lack of passion sort of counters that a bit <laughs> uh, inter- interestingly the demo version uh, and hearing that and hearing the buffalo skinner's version made me appreciate the piano version a bit more mm. uh, mainly because i don't mind having a piano version available after i got what I consider a more definitive version later. So uh, in the No Place Like Home versus Buffalo Skinner's discussion, this is 
the one song where the re-recording worked for me. I uh, I quite vastly prefer the version on the Buffalo Skinners. So uh, I, I wish I liked it more because I can truly hear Stewart's emotion. But uh, I guess a mixture of various things. I have to say, even though I prefer the Buffalo Skinners version, it's not that high on my list of if I rank that album either. So yeah. Uh, even though I, I can really see all the values of the song, it just doesn't click in my brain. I don't get that, you know, this is uh, this is what I want. I guess the piano ballad sort of always tainted it a little bit for me. Right, right. And I, under- but, I understand that, definitely. And uh, yeah. it's it's interesting. It almost doesn't even really fit on the Buffalo Skinners. But I th- one, another guy on, the, on our Facebook page, Arlen, he brought up a good point that I'd forgotten about, which was that, no Place Like Home was never even released in America. So when they released Buffalo Skinners in America, knowing that it was going to come out in America, I think that probably was one of the reasons they they um, re-recorded those songs because American audiences they were thinking you know would not had not heard them, and they felt so strongly about both songs that they wanted them to hear them. And uh, yeah, but of course us diehard Americans who was which pretty much made up most of the big country fan base in America. Both, both pre and post Buffalo Skinners, yeah. uh, you know, we we already knew it. We were just we were just interested to hear another version, but we certainly already knew the other ones. But uh, but yeah, I'd like to think that the band wouldn't have re-recorded it if they didn't feel they could add something to it themselves. Yeah, uh, there were plenty of songs they could have picked from that album, and although Kansas is a standout and a very clear one to to bring on, I'd like to think that. Uh, uh, if ships didn't have a special meaning to Stuart, they wouldn't have picked that. They would have picked a more obvious one. Yeah, and uh, you know, it kind of goes back to him choosing those two songs to bring, uh, talking about when he brought those two songs to the record company. And I rem- there was another part of that quote I remember reading that I, that wasn't in the book, but um, I think he said that he thought they were like the best things he had written in a long time. And mm-hmm. so he he, I think you know, I think he probably felt like. You know, you've talked about Kansas as being a cornerstone of the album, and I, I agree with that. I think he probably felt that both Kansas and Ships were like the cornerstones of this album, but uh, from a songwriting perspective, I think they were the most personal songs to him. With yeah. Kansas being almost uh, autobiographical about the band, and maybe this was more uh, from a personal perspective about Stuart. Right. So uh, they probably carried a lot of meaning. So I, uh, I appreciate this song a lot for for what it is. I. Uh, I more study it than sit and enjoy it musically. But uh, so it's almost begrudgingly. I'm almost sort of apologetically saying this. I really wish I could get more into it. Uh, I I just can't. I uh, have to say I give it a 10. I have it at number five. Yeah, so that's again one of the more diverse rankings. We're at the last track of No Place Like Home, Into the Fire. Yeah, you talked about Comes a Time as two different songs. I think no other place does that description fit better than Into the Fire. That's definitely two different songs. You have the song itself, Into the Fire itself, and then they change completely into a huge playout section, which is a song on its own, almost tacked on. So so that's really interesting, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Into the Fire, I can really hear three or four different demos of earlier songs fused together. I can hear bits from all over the place from various demos. 
So the intro, you know, you mentioned Celtic Dreams. I also hear Time for Leaving appearing here or reappearing here mm. uh, and various other things that just fit with the intro. And uh, so it, I don't know if this song is a final culmination of years of harvesting ideas and they finally found their home or whether they threw together something because they needed another song on the album or what they thought. Right. Um, I would kind of go with the latter there. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think the song is uh, is bad, but um, I have to say, what mars the song for me, or the first part, is that it sort of ends up in the shadow of the long instrumental playout, which is stellar, and uh, talk about not fitting on the album, but uh, <laughs> really uh, it, it is, uh, th- th- that's the full tilt rocker, I think that rocks more than Republican Party Reptile might have some guitars, but this is where Big Country, the rock band, comes. And it's on some level, uh, ending the album on that note almost points the way to the Buffalo Skinners to me. It does. So, so that's uh, very prophetic, if you will. I don't know if the band saw themselves heading in that direction, but in hindsight, that's exactly where this is. It's a link from No Place Like Home into the Buffalo Skinners. So uh, it it really has nothing to do with the rest of the song. It feels like a gem that is spliced on. It's almost a bit of Led Zeppelin grooves, some some rhythms. And I don't know if the band wanted to prove a point, or perhaps they just liked the thought of going out on a particular note after setting a more moodiness on, on the rest of the album. Uh, that's, the song that's the thing. I, that's the thing. I, I I really because of that mood that they set on the album. I, I just wish they had ended it with that same type of haunting mood and it. It just doesn't. You're right. It just doesn't fit even remotely. No, but I've never thought of it as a problem. I'm I'm quite happy to end the album that way. The the biggest problem is, like I said, the the first part of that song ends up sort of being shadowed by the second half of the song, and that's a bit unfortunate. But uh, that's that song is good. It's it's more like another working song, a laboring song. The song something that they just wrote. Sit down. We're going to write the song, and they brought it in. I like how there's a Kate Bush connection in the lyrics. Yeah, I was going to bring that up if you didn't. Yeah, come on, Angel, come on, come on, my darling. That's got to be conscious. There's no way that's an accident. No doubt about it. And that's from running up that hill. So uh, again, interestingly, there's no demo version of this song called Into the Fire, but there's three or four different demos with elements of this song that is fused together. So yeah, so Celt- Celtic Dream is 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 pretty much the whole song. I mean, it's 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 very very close. I love the warmth that moments were the summer as you softly shimmering seven veils of haze. I feel the rainfall, lifetimes worth of bottoms. Running on my shoulders like November days. Yeah, and the interesting thing uh, about Celtic Dream and the and the Kate Bush thing that makes me makes me almost wonder if those lyrics weren't just like thrown in there at the last minute is that uh, in, on the Celtic Dream version there there are no lyrics for that part. And I almost in in some ways I go back and forth. I, I in fact I think I prefer it without the lyrics. It almost kind of works better that way. 
and then he puts the Kate Bush in there, and which I think is cool, and I like it too. And I know I know Stewart was a huge Kate Bush fan. Um, he said that many times. So yeah, there's no doubt that that was taken directly from from running up that hill. More of like of uh, more like an homage to that, I think, than yeah. thiever, than thievery. But um, yeah, it, it always made me wonder. Like maybe he thought I got to come up with some lyrics here, and and he looked at his running up that hill from Hounds of Love and thought, yeah, I'll throw those on. <laughs> who knows that's funny yeah exactly yeah and apart from that i uh, sort of in preparation and listening to this song it's it's simply an all right i think we used the word good filler earlier um filler is a bit negative it's uh, it's not a filler song but uh, it's not a stellar song it's uh it's a good big country album track it's a song that reminds me a little bit of atlantic city by bruce springsteen it kind of has um uh, a similar feel to that in the beginning from the chords. Well, they blew up a chicken man in Philly last night. Now they blew up his house too. Down on the boardwalk, they're getting ready for a fight. Gonna see what them racket boys can do. Now there's. Yeah, now the only thing I'll say about the end is that um, I, I like it too from a from a technical standpoint. I mean. It's it it really does rock you know twenty times harder than anything on this record. But to me, that kind of is is the problem. I I, I wouldn't have minded if they would have redone this type of coda in a song on Buffalo Skinners or something. And I, I don't. It's not like I hate it here, but kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about them trying to create a certain mood on this album and maintaining that throughout and in a way i feel like that forced coda at the end of this song kind of cheap cheapens that mood a little bit and it's not like i thought they were so successful with the album anyway so i probably shouldn't be nitpicking this this part because it's not like i thought it was a perfect album and then this thing came in but i i just feel like there's there's something that as the album closes on this song, even though I don't think this is a perfect song, I think it's got that great haunting feel to it that a lot of the songs earlier in the album had. And mm-hmm. I, would, I would have almost preferred if they had, had found, figured out a way, and I don't know what it would have been, but if they had figured out a way to end it musically in a more haunting type of vibe as well, instead of kicking into that thing. Because I'm just like, I hear that... Even when even when I first heard the album and I was happy to hear like heavy stuff on it for a moment, I just thought, what is, what the heck? You know, what what does this have to do with this song? It's just it's bizarre. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we have to say though, it's it's not necessarily a very heavy song. It's more groovy than it's heavy, but it, it's still a little out of place. Uh, to me though, when I put my analytic hat on ahead of this podcast and you try to listen to it again, bring it up and see how you feel about stuff. And uh, yeah, I tend to take a little critical view and maybe it doesn't fit that well. But then I think back to all the years when I first heard it and whenever I play the album, I've never thought like that. I thought, oh, that's cool. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it's uh, it's too easy to put a magnifying glass on it. And uh, when it all comes down to it, I've always thought, oh, that's that's okay. That's, so that's pretty nice. It could be just a product of us spending so much time thinking about these songs lately, you know. Yeah, I think um, that needs to be mentioned as a possibility, yes. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Uh, so that's that's No Place Like Home, track by track. I think we've probably had our fill of No Place Like Home now for a while. 
both you and I. Um, not that no, I'll go back and listen to it again. I know. <laughs> it's inspiring yeah. to talk about it. You you always um, get other perspectives. Yeah. No so doubt. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go back and see how much I really hate Leap of Faith. <laughs> yeah, I I've listened to it enough over the years that I don't have to keep testing that theory. But uh, you mean once? No, I I listened to it more than once. I really have. You know, twice. I, I, uh, three times, maybe. Yeah. This album was released in mid-September, it says, in 1991, and it, it stuck at number 28, um, remaining in the charts for just two weeks, and then it disappeared. So, you know, I guess final thoughts about this album. It's, as we said when we first started to bring it up, it's a, it's probably one of the more divisive albums in the catalog, and, and, you know, you and I have had shown that just with some of our disagreements on the songs. I mean... You know, there are big country albums where pretty much everyone's going to be in lockstep with the songs to some degree. You know, some might think a song is good and another is great, but there there are very rarely albums by big country where people think a song is absolutely horrible and others think it's brilliant. You know, but but you do get that with with this album and you get people who think this album is brilliant. And as I was telling you last time, I, I was looking on iTunes recently and I saw a review for this album and someone said it's their best album ever. So. You know, you, I I can't understand that, but you know, you you just uh, that's that's just the way music is, and uh, everyone's gonna have a different viewpoint of it. And it's interesting that this album elicits such a, such a large range of of viewpoints. But uh, I guess the last thing I'll say about it is just looking back now that I have the benefit of just you know looking at all the big country albums as a whole and being able to pick and choose what I feel like listening to at any particular time. Um, you know, like I said last time, I think this is a nice fit. I, I like that it's in the catalog. I, I wish it had been a better album for me in some respects. I, I would have loved if they would have done like a really better haunting, you know, um, more bare bones album like this seemed like it was going to be, but I, I just wish the quality had been better in places. Uh, you know, I, I do think there are some other B sides that could have been worked as better songs for this album i'm thinking of troubled man which i think could have fit on this album beautifully i think uh even the long road is a song that i think is a a good tune that could have fit on here return of the two-headed king was a song that was probably wouldn't fit on this album but it was a b-side to beautiful people that that i remember absolutely going crazy for because when i played that it was like yes (laughs) this is the old big country sound that i love You know, overall, I, I, I do listen to this album a lot. You know, as much as I might criticize it, I do tend to bring it out a lot and there's bring it out a lot and listen. And there's just a certain mood to it that is, is unique, I think. And I think probably Driving to Damascus maybe is the closest big country album as far as having songs that, that capture this the type of mood that's on No Place Like Home. You know, there are some there are some songs from that era that that really would have fit in nicely Maybe maybe combining the the Damascus era and the No Place Like Home era, the best bits of both would would create that that awesome, you know, big haunting sparse big country album. Yeah, we forgot to rank Into the Fire, by the way. Uh, what was my ranking for Into the Fire? It was seven. It was seven. Yes, thank you. 
Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and my ranking is seven as well. Okay, cool. We had a, so, we had a lot uh, of similar so, ones. A lot of similar ones. And what I've done is I've taken note of all our rankings. So I add our points together. And uh, that creates a list. So this is Tom and Swine's ranking together for No Place Like Home. Oh, cool. And uh, we find on the bottom, uh, there's justice in the world, you, me, and the truth. <laughs> uh, tied with beautiful people, I should say. Um, so that's 12 and 11. That's injustice. Uh, so, uh, a bit, yeah, hope, it's hopeless, isn't it? It's hopeless. Re- Republican Party reptile is number 10. A Leap of Faith is number nine. Beat the Devil is number eight. Ships is number seven. Into the Fire number six. Comes to Time number five. Keep on Dreaming number four. And the top three is Hostage Speaks at number three. Dynamite Lady number two. And Kansas hits the spot. Cool. I can live with that top three. So to me, uh, No Place Like Home is an album that I pull out from time to time. And... Uh, it struck me, I, I was trying to rank albums, and there are some eternal truths that uh, Steel Town is always going to be up there. The Crossing is always going to be up there. It's going to be hard to rank other people's above them. But when you look at, uh, on a different level, which albums are you most likely to actually pull out and play? I have to admit, I'm a bit burned out on The Crossing. And uh, Yeah, I am I'm, too, actually. Yeah, and I've listened a bit to Steel Town, and The Seer doesn't come out as much. So that's really the first three right there. So the ones I actually pull out are No Place Like Home. I pull out Wide Long Face quite a bit. And I put out a lot of songs from the Drunk to Damascus sessions. I don't put out as much Drunk to Damascus, the album. But those are the three eras that I seem to listen the most to. So mm. uh, if you forget the eternal truths it's definitely up there in terms of which albums i actually listen to and pull out from time to time and uh, that's uh, that tells me that they hit something with this album that uh, it, it worked on some level and uh, a lot of the songs on this album are big country classics to me great well i think it was a great discussion and you know it's it's fun to go through this and I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I know a lot of people are going to disagree with with me, and a lot of people are going to disagree with Fine, depending on where you stand on these songs. But you know, as as we said earlier, hopefully no one takes any of this personally or poorly, and we all feel passionately about what we feel passionately about. And at the end of the day, we love the band and we love the albums, and you know, I love No Place Like Home for what it is, and sure everyone else does too. So even with our criticisms, we always keep that keep that in mind, and obviously we wouldn't be spending the time we're spending if we didn't love these things even even the ones that we uh that we criticize so i would like to encourage everybody to visit the facebook page uh, the discussion will no doubt continue there and uh, i know both tom and myself will love to uh, engage with you there if you disagree with us if you agree with us if you want to take side with one of us uh anything that's fun it, it all happens there so Thank you for the support again. I uh, hope this will continue to grow, and uh, by all signs, uh, it is. Please continue to email us. You can email us at uh, bigcountrypodcast at gmail.com. And as Fine said, look for us on Facebook as well. So if you want to check out any of my own original music, you can do that at reverbnation.com slash Thomas Kerchival. So if you want to check some of that out, please do. Very heavily big country influence, as you might imagine. You might like it. You may not give it a listen 
And so that's it. Um, keep keep in touch with us on Facebook, and we'll let you know what, as soon as we figure out what we're going to do next. If you have any suggestions or anything you'd like to see a show about, please feel free to let us know. And we will talk to you next time. Yeah. Ciao.
but it's beautiful people I see If you're lost and dying of civilization That's enough for me If you believe